We are live, everyone. Welcome uh, to the newly updated CASA Advocacy Update um, live. Now we're doing it live, Alex. We're live. Um, right out of the gate before Alex gets into all the legislative goodness, I think that we should take the opportunity to uh, to highlight um, some CASA news, some board of director news. Um, I would like to personally congratulate Danielle Jones and her new presidential position here at CASA. I think that's wonderful. And I, I couldn't imagine anybody else in this position right now. Danielle is already an excellent add to uh, CASA. And it's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be working with her, to continue working with her in her new capacity. Um, so yeah, it's it's great to have her on board, and and I think uh, worthy of note that all of the graphics and intro material for for this live podcast was put together by her, much like all of the other wonderful looking things that you see on our very useful website. Um, so thank you, Danielle, and it's fantastic to have you um, moving up in in the organization and taking a leadership role, even more of a leadership role. So, yeah. And then I guess fantastic. it does. It falls on me then to congratulate you. We, I don't need a congratulations. <laughs> well, condolences then. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, we brought you yeah, thank, you. thank you. I'm just, I'm just happy to be, to be part of this stellar team of incredible people, advocates. Um, it's just like, I, you know, we've, we've talked about it. And I talked about it on social media. It's just an honor to be part of this. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to happy to help and happy to do what I can um, we, we, we've got two birds with one stone here. So thanks to Danielle for all of the graphics and, and some of the video and the video editing work in the intro. And thanks to you for bringing all of all of the necessary energy to breathe new life into the CASA podcast. So this is this is wonderful. And I, I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm excited that you're here and I'm excited that we're doing this production. And thank you for all of your work. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I just think it's really cool. I mean, this day and age, you know, um, everything with with media and, and shows and live broadcasts and podcasts, I think it was all something that just Kassad desperately needed um, to kind of get in that arena, doing these things, being live, having that interact and that interaction and that engagement with our members and people who hopefully will be joining uh, really soon now, um, seeing all of this. So, yeah, absolutely. I just think it's something that Kassan needed. Uh, and so far, it's been good. So far, it's been good. And uh, and a huge uh, thank you to Bruce Nye also for um, all of his his time with Kassan. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, 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 Bruce uh, certainly brought a lot to Kassan and we're sorry to see him go. But, um, you know, it's good to have fresh energy, new blood. Uh, this is something that we need to we need to go through regularly, and it, it keeps it keeps us alive, uh, and it keeps us uh, you know focused on our mission. So, yeah, awesome. All right, now that we've gotten all the 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 mushy gushy lovey dovey stuff out of the way for the board of directors here at Casa, um, I think it's time. This is this is kind of the the first part of the show here where we we really just hand the floor to you, Alex, um, to to let us know what is happening right now. Legislatively, what is going on this week? What do we need to know? Sure. Um, so I have, uh, I got a brief update, uh, some words about Connecticut, uh, some bills in Illinois. Texas 
and Minnesota. Uh, this is not an exhaustive list of everything that's going on next week, uh, but uh, these are, are what we have kind of prioritized here. Uh, also Washington State. Um, just some brief words about Connecticut. Uh, the flavor ban bill, uh, as some might know, has moved through uh, the Health and Human Services Committee, I believe, with a favorable recommendation. Um, and this is something that I think will ultimately be part of maybe the budget proposal there. Uh, I've, I'm hearing sort of mixed things about it. So uh, it doesn't quite have the same amount of support that that uh, we thought it did at the beginning. Uh, and so that's relatively good news. I'm, I'm short on details. I just kind of wanted to give folks in Connecticut a bit of a, a, a note about that. Um, but we are following it. And uh, when we get the word that the engagement is, is needed, um, or when we determine it for ourselves, uh, we will put out a call to action uh, but at the moment, it's it, we're still sort of it, there's still a lot of temperature taking going on, so um, that's that's relatively good news. Um, moving right along to Illinois, um, Illinois has a uh, an indoor vaping ban, and I'm going to do my my screen share for the folks watching the live. Here we go. Uh, Look at that smooth transition <laughs> to the Casa website, everybody. Look at that. I apologize for the narration, but sometimes it's necessary to fill the dead air. It, for anybody looking for a call to action in their state, or if you want to find uh, information about your state, get involved is the, uh, the word or the tab that you will look under, uh, state and local. I am narrating this for the benefit of the folks not seeing us on the YouTube. So... Um, and here we are, the state of Illinois. Uh, so uh, there is a public vaping ban that would, would uh, prohibit vaping in the same places where smoking is banned. Uh, and uh, the hearing, we, we put this up uh, last week, I think, uh, the hearing was either extended or moved to March 23rd. Uh, it's the same committee. We've updated this. Uh, sending in witness slips is the way for people to participate. Uh, there are lots of steps involved, but don't be intimidated. It will come to you naturally um, once you get there and start reading things. Uh, and creating a witness slip is, is actually pretty easy. So if you live in Illinois, take a moment to fill out this witness slip prior to the hearing on Tuesday, March 23rd. Um, the other thing in Illinois that uh, we don't have anything up for, it just recently got introduced um, this will be HB 4050, uh, and this is a, a flavor ban. It has an exemption for menthol, uh, but this was just introduced, so uh, we're keeping tabs on that. Another bill uh, that does have a hearing on March 23rd, we don't have an engagement up for this yet, um, is HB 2579. Uh, this would propose a 25 milligram per milliliter nicotine cap, uh, and we can... Uh, get into a larger discussion about that if we really need to, but I, I think uh, um, it should suffice to say that CASA does not support imposing nicotine caps on e-liquid, uh, especially given all the variety of devices that people like to use, and um, smaller devices need higher nicotine concentration. Uh, and, and a little note about, I think, some of the one of the articles that we'll be discussing later on. Um, the HB 2579 would also prohibit anyone under the age of 25 
uh, from selling uh, flavored vapor products. <clears throat> so if you have young adults between the ages of 18 and 21 working in your shop, they would not be allowed to sell flavored products and you probably wouldn't necessarily want to keep them as employees. So if you value your young employees, um, that might be a bill that you're interested in. Also making sure that people have the right nicotine concentration. <laughs> so yeah. um, moving quickly along here to the great state of Texas, um, we have a couple I have an update here. Um, so we are uh, really just tracking legislation at this point. Uh, one of the interesting things about Texas is that given the fact that it is geographically a very large state, uh, you tend to have multiple bills filed uh, sort of addressing the same thing from all corners of the state. Uh, so we'll see a lot of this and then, and then we'll see them start to move. Uh, so right now, uh, the update is uh, for SB 836. I added this to the list. Um, this was recently assigned to the Committee for State Affairs, uh, which is also looking at um, some other, other legis similar legislation. Uh, the companion to SB 836 is HB 3842, for those of you who are playing the home game. Um, so right now, we're just keeping tabs on it. And if you want more information about each one of these bills, uh, we have links to them uh, all on our website here. And of course, it is always a good time to reach out to your lawmakers to express your concerns or opinions about a particular bill or issue, and you can do that right here. Um, that's really just looking up their contact info. We're leaving, leaving it to you to, to use your own words, um, but we provide that as an easy, easy resource. Look at that, CASA providing, providing easy resources for consumers to speak up. I love it. I love it. Fantastic. The more voices, the better. Um, Absolutely. We've got to get loud. We've got to get loud. Moving to the next one uh, will be Minnesota. Um, I don't know that this has gotten a whole lot of attention, and it's it's just here. I want to make sure that, that folks in Minnesota are aware that we do have two calls to action up uh, for a vapor tax. Uh, this would tack on, I believe, an additional 35 cents. I'm sorry, 35 percent retail tax. Um, for those not in Minnesota, you may, may or may not know that Minnesota is the first state that enacted a tax on vapor products at 95 percent. Uh, the way that it was worded, however, gave manufacturers a bit of a, a workaround in that uh, that tax, you know, because they're ordering in the nicotine, the tax is only on the nicotine. So they're paying 95% of the wholesale cost of just the nicotine. Uh, it kept prices down so that state you know, products manufactured in the state uh, were not wildly expensive, but folks in Minnesota didn't really have the access that a lot of the rest of us do to uh, out-of-state liquids because they're paying that tax on the whole bottle. Um, so uh, this would add an additional 35% at retail. Uh, and there's a couple bills involved here. You have HF991 and SF961. Uh, and we also link to uh, a, uh, an article uh, on reason.org talking about a study which found that uh, the 95 percent wholesale tax on nicotine even though it was managed you know to be kept a little bit lower uh 
discourage something like uh, north of 30,000 people from switching yeah. to paper products, um, which is that's a pretty big number. So um, that is Minnesota. Uh, the one bit of uh, warning I think here was I, I think this was the HF 904. Uh, if you want, you can check the meeting minutes here. But uh, I think there was an article about this that um, this could just end up in an omnibus bill. Um, for those not familiar with what an omnibus bill is, it's an everything in the kitchen sink piece of legislation that usually goes for a budget. Uh, and so um, it, it's once legis once individual bits of legislation end up in an omnibus bill, it gets kind of challenging to pick out the parts that are really bad. Um, so uh, this is this is this is a heads up about uh, watching Minnesota's budget bill as it goes through the process. Um, this budget budget processes vary from state to state. Everybody's kind of got their own flavor of how they do this. Uh, so I am not going to claim to be an expert in how this works. And we encourage people in Minnesota to research it and, and try to track it the best you can. Um, because if, if, if you're relying on us to track your state's budget, um, that, that may be something that falls through the cracks. Um, so uh, big heads up here. Reminder uh, too, like uh, New York, where you and I both are, our flavor ban was imposed on us through a budget bill. Yeah, a lot of really bad stuff has been enacted through budget bills. For example, the uh, the shipping ban that we're all facing right now. Uh, yeah, that was something that, that squeezed through um, rather rushed. Uh, there, there was not, a, I don't recall any debate about that, that particular piece of legislation. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, it's a great way to sneak stuff through. And that's yeah. why they use it. <laughs> that is absolutely why they use it. There is a bill in Washington state. Uh, we also don't have an engagement up for this yet. Um, there are, there's a lot of work going on on the ground in Washington state. Uh, and so that we, we work collaboratively with state groups so that we're not um, angering lawmakers who might be having constructive conversations with folks on the ground. Um, but uh, just so people are aware, uh, there is a hearing, I believe, on the 23rd. Yes, at 1.30 p.m. And uh, this is for HB 1550, 1550. Uh, and this is a 45% retail tax. Uh, and this would be on top of the existing sales tax of 10%. So all told, um, oh, I'm sorry, I missed a number here. And a 4.4% wholesale tax. Um, so yeah, a lot of extra taxes being proposed in Washington state. Uh, there is a hearing on the 23rd. That's Tuesday, right? And, yes. um, yeah, the 23rd will be Tuesday. And yeah, I believe, uh, myself and some other folks will be testifying against that bill. Um, Fantastic. So that is my whirlwind, well-timed legislative update. I want to I, I want to take a minute just to commend you uh, on how swimmingly you just went through all of that legislation. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. I hope everybody got all of it. Um, but if you didn't, obviously, uh, calls to action that we do have posted are right up on Uh Do you want to 
quickly uh, and briefly talk about the call to action for the National Vape Mail Ban, considering our short timeline here for people to submit comments. Do you want to roll through any of that for folks uh, out there who maybe haven't submitted yet where they can go for that and what that what that call to action looks like? Yeah. So we're here at our National Calls to Action page. Uh, look for the USPS vape mail ban. Comment period is open. Yeah, the deadline is Monday. Uh, end of business Monday. Uh, I, I think technically you have until 1159, but I'm not going to encourage anybody anybody else to wait for the last minute to submit something. Um, but uh, if you're new to the site, get involved nationally and uh, check out all the details we've laid out here. You've got a bit of the timeline. Uh, as we mentioned, this was something that uh, was, was just shoehorned into a, a massive budget bill uh, and was passed in uh, 2020. Um, yeah, we'd had that year. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, 2020 happened. Yep. So uh, there's there's some uh, details here. Uh, you know, some of the points that we think are going to be uh, important, possibly for consumers to comment on, and of course, acknowledging that uh, you know our our folks come from a, a wide range of expertise and interests, and so uh, plenty plenty of. Uh, potential there for people to write very meaningful comments. Uh, and, and one thing I want to reemphasize is write your comment. You never know what the USPS or any agency has, uh, has deliberated in terms of asking themselves all the questions. Where could this go wrong? Where do we need some more clarity? You, you may have, and you may not know it, but you may have some, some thoughts that they have not considered. So it, it's, it's very important. Um, and of course, if, if, if you feel that all you have is your story and how important switching to, to smoke-free products is for you, um, that is also very important. Uh, we, need to, uh, we need to be able to look back on this comment period and demonstrate the tremendous value that not only these products have, but being able to ship them, being able to get them in people's hands easily. Um, and so that 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 is something that will feature prominently, possibly it may it, will, it may feature prominently in future work to fix the rules. Um, and so that's that's why we we want to get as many people to comment on this as possible. And um, I, Danielle again has done a lot of work to make sure that this is very simple for people to follow. Um, and uh, also down down the page a bit note there are two things that we're asking people to do uh one is is of course sending your comment um and the second one is uh sending a message to your your lawmakers and and letting them know your thoughts we've pre-written a message here but you're free to delete that um certainly add your own um whatever you'd like to do and of course uh our, our system is not set up to do this automatically for people outside of the United States. So we've included all of the contact information here at the bottom uh, for sending the email uh, and definitely make sure that you have in your subject line e-cigarette restrictions. Um, so that's the, the, the tour of our call to action, um, which you can find at casa.org. 
All right. Um, I also really quick, I did want to highlight uh, for people who may not know exactly what to say. Alex kind of briefly went through some some places right there in the call to action for talking points and stuff. But you also did a webinar recently. Yeah, um, this was uh, in in collaboration with the American Vaping Association, uh, Gregory Conley uh, and Paul Blair, uh, formerly with uh, the Americans for Tax Reform, uh, now with Turning Point Brands uh, and another gentleman whose name for the second week in a row I have uh, failed to research and 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 I don't remember, but uh, he was certainly uh, one of the, the legal minds part of uh, looking at the rule and, and where people can comment. Um, so yeah, I, I, I strongly encourage it. Um, you know, other than myself, you, you had some some folks with a lot of industry experience. Um, the 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 blog post, I'm sorry, the the webinar was for the most part geared toward businesses. So if you are in the vapor business, uh, definitely check it out. Uh, there's some good pointers, and and like I said, um, from from all sides of this. The more comments, the better, because there's no way that USPS has thought of everything. So uh, as a small business owner, you're certainly facing unique issues, unique challenges compared to a company like Turning Point Brands or uh, or Altria or Reynolds, uh, you know, larger companies, actually. When we start talking about the large incumbent tobacco companies, uh, they don't rely on USPS. They don't they don't rely on UPS or FedEx uh, or, or private shippers necessarily. Uh, unless they have some sort of massive agreement worked out with them, um, but they they have their own they've got their own logistics they can they can do their own own shipping and and stuff like that. So um, the the small businesses here are the ones that are really getting getting the raw deal. Um, yeah. and, and of course, just you know multiply that I guess by whatever number, and that's the raw deal that consumers are getting. Um, but certainly, every link in the chain is affected by this. So um, check out the webinar; it's a good resource. Um, with some uh, with some good folks. All right, I uh, I think that's going to do it, kind of for our our legislative legislative roundup. But um, moving right along into the rest of uh, this week's blog um, and what we have going on at Casa. Um, for anybody uh, I know, Kristen, thank you. Uh, who's in chat right now, sharing all sorts of links for people who want to uh, kind of follow along with the stuff that we're talking about. So thank you, thank you, Kristen. But do you want you want to talk about Inco? Yeah, so um, INCO has, oh, well, for those who don't know the acronym, uh, INCO stands for the International Network of Nicotine Consumer Organizations. And uh, they have uh, released a response to uh, growing pressure on uh, low and middle income countries to ban vapor products completely. Uh, and a lot of this is going on in, in Southeast Asia. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's the, the term associated with all of this is called is philanthropic colonialism. Uh, and I, I, I'm not going to go too far into this because we have a video to share. Um, we do. And, and we'll, we'll let the video speak for itself. Um, but we got about five minutes here and I'll just I'll, I'll queue it up a little bit for folks who are listening to this later. Um, you can find this on our uh, YouTube channel or you can find it on Incos. Um, I, I like to uh, make sure that the appropriate folks get the likes and the views. Um, so uh, yeah, this, if we're ready, I can play this. 
Absolutely. Before we do that, can I just hear you say philanthropic colonialism one more time? Philanthropic colonialism. All right. Cue the footage. Roll that beautiful bean footage. <laughs> Have you lost someone due to smoking? Yes, I lost my grandfather. Quite unfortunately, I lost um, an uncle name while I was growing up to long cancer. Yes, I lost, I lost many people. Uh, including family members, and yes, and I've seen how that happened in front of my eyes. I've seen how people is dying um, as they smoke, and I see them like carrying oxygen tanks, and at the same time, smoking. Every year, nearly eight million early deaths are attributed to smoking. Eighty percent of these deaths are of people living in low to middle-income countries. To put that into context, the death toll attributed to smoking in low and middle income countries is double the number of people who have died from malaria, HIV, and COVID-19 combined. In 2020, the union, funded by former New York City mayor and current billionaire Michael Bloomberg, called for a blanket ban on all nicotine vapor and heated tobacco products to the countries that need these alternatives the most. Are safer nicotine products available where you live? Vaping was banned uh, uh, September last year. A ban never uh, works, right? Uh, it's never worked anywhere in the world. So the only thing it did was it, dry, it drove it underground. And so, so it's freely available in India, uh, vaping products. Uh, unfortunately, uh, without any regulation of any kind. Should people who smoke in your country have the same opportunity to access potentially life-saving, safer nicotine products as people living in high-income countries? Well, yes, of course. It doesn't matter where you live. You know, it, you, you are human, right? I mean, we are all human. It doesn't matter. We should have the basic human rights. It doesn't matter if you come from a rich country or LMICs or where you know all poor country third country first country we should have the same basic human right this union's document when, when bans are best uh makes or, or at least the consequence is that now you have two kinds of human beings the class a and the class b class a living in in, in uk in, in in first world countries and they have access to safer uh, safer products class b citizens uh, the ones from, from lower and middle-income countries, we are not entitled to, 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 to have safer alternatives. So our lives are, 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 are not as important. The problem with Mr. Bloomberg is that he's a vaping prohibitionist. And that worries me that, you know, if people take a moralistic stance on, on nicotine, then they are, they are denying people who actually need to stop smoking a way out of, of their, their smoking habit. Blanket bans in low and middle income countries are the results of philanthropic colonialism, where short term funding for coercive and underperforming tobacco control policies is presented to government officials as the only way forward. By virtue of being a top down policy decision, the people most affected by strict nicotine regulations are excluded from the process. While organizations like the Union and the World Health Organization continue to paint people who smoke as victims of incumbent tobacco companies and incapable of making decisions for themselves, 
It is the paternalistic anti-nicotine policies that are taking away people's right to choose better alternatives to smoking. Vaping saved my life. At the same time, there is a general scientific consensus that smoke-free tobacco and nicotine products are low-risk alternatives to smoking. It's a product that can transform health. Uh, smokers, not all smokers, but enough smokers to matter, find electronic cigarettes an effective substitute for smoking, and if they make the complete switch to electronic cigarettes, health-wise they achieve pretty much what they'd achieve as if they quit smoking completely. So the challenge is to get as many smokers to try and go down that route, not to start trying to restrict or prevent uptake of electronic cigarettes. They're a game changer. There's no going back from that. The whole market in nicotine delivery has been radicalized by these products. And I just hope that there are more and even more exciting products on the way. Denying people access to these life-saving options based on income can only be considered discriminatory. Nothing about us without us. 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 Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> Nothing about us without us, Alex. I Nothing think about us without us. I think that should echo around the world. It's a, it's an excellent piece. And I, I just wanted to note the comment that flashed up there from Jeffrey Zamora. Uh, Jeffrey helped with, I, I, I don't know if he did the entire video production, but uh, he is the, the unseen, unheard talent uh, at the other side of that, that video. Um, so thank you, Jeffrey, for all of your work. And yes, thank make, you, Jeffrey. Making me sound okay. Um, I appreciate that. Um, I think you sounded great. I think everybody did a, a fantastic job. That is that is such a a powerful piece. Watching it the first time, like I was instantly just captivated. I was just drawn right in, you know, um, right until the last second. I still yeah. am sitting here watching that when you pulled it up. I just couldn't, I couldn't stop. I was over here like fist bump, like fists in the air like I was cheering on while watching it uh, it's it's really a, a really well done piece and and highlights highlights a, a really a big problem a big problem that's going on yeah it's it's you know it's it's one of those things where I think perhaps it's a bit more some of the dysfunction in this whole debate is a bit more obvious when you're talking about low and middle income countries uh, here we have you know our our debate in the united states is a is a bit uh diluted i think and and uh, we don't get to really focus so much on low and middle income communities uh the way that i, I think we would we would like to um from a harm reduction perspective uh, and, and one of the things that that sort of stuck in my mind here in the United States is that um, these products have a high initial cost. That is enough to discourage somebody who's, you know, budgeting 50 bucks for the week or something, uh, you know, depending on what your economic status is, not just in the world, of course, in 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 your own country tends to determine how much access you have to beneficial products, good food, good health care, uh, even access to your lawmakers is somewhat determined by your income, uh, your zip code, and so on. Um, 
So uh, it's a bit more obvious, though, when you're talking about an entire country. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think, of course, you know, highlighting the involvement of an American billionaire in crafting uh, another country. I mean, another culture's tobacco policy. That's yeah. it's 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 bigger than just geopolitical boundaries. It's um, it's how does how does your society uh, handle uh, issues of substance use? How do they what, what's their real what's their relationship to tobacco? I think those are much more important questions than simply telling people to believe that tobacco bad and has to be banned. Um, and, and yeah. it's certainly not helping anybody. And it's, it's just more, I, I, I really want to get away from, you know, referring to people anywhere as victims here, but, um, this is sort of a double whammy. Uh, you know, we have, there's a problem in the world with, uh, tobacco companies, of course, doing what businesses do. They take advantage of loopholes in the law and, uh, it's not really a loophole. It's just the laws aren't strong enough to prevent them from doing certain things. And specifically, we're talking about marketing practices. Uh, and so they they continue to do things. Um, and 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 we we can't have a, a real conversation about harm reduction. Uh, and it, it, it's necessary to kind of push back on the way that they do business in other countries. But unfortunately, because this conversation has become so uh so twisted and all nicotine products have been associated with tobacco companies uh there are people you know they've been on the receiving end of manipulative marketing from the tobacco companies and now they're on the receiving end of coercive and manipulative policy from their officials so we don't get to have this conversation about how safer products can actually improve people's lives and that's part of the strategy that we're all up against. Um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's going to take a, a massive, this, I mean, this, this, this effort from, from Inco is fan. I get chills thinking about it. I think this is great. Uh, I, I think, I hope that this sends the message home where we need people to hear it. Um, but I, I think the misperceptions of, of vapor products and, and tobacco harm reduction is something that's going to take uh, perhaps many years to change minds. I, I hope living in this technology-driven age that it, it doesn't take that long. Um, but I, 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 I just have to add that, I think, as a, um, not really a caveat, but, uh, you know, gird your loins for the long term here. Um, yeah. We're not going to be able to solve this overnight. And, um, yeah, this is one of the, one of the very necessary and, and, and very good efforts. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that really one of the, the I guess, parts of that 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 really like hit me was the gentleman saying, you know, it doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter if you live in a, a, a rich country or poor country, third world, first world. It doesn't matter where you live. We should all have the same basic human rights. And and when it comes to, uh, you know, smoking around the world. Not only is your autonomy, your bodily autonomy, a basic human right, but having the same access to safer products that other countries have just because of, you know, their their monetary status. Um, that's that's like in this film, that's nothing short of discriminatory. You know, that's that's it's a violation of human rights. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, probably one of the grossest things about this is that, um, you know, folks like Michael Bloomberg think that they can they can push people around with their money. I, I he I'm, he must be accustomed to it. Right. Money is a, a very attractive thing. You can buy your way through all kinds of life. Um, and and so it, it's uh, we almost didn't have large sodas. Thanks to Michael Bloomberg and him deeming that uh, we are not responsible enough to decide what size soda is appropriate for us. New Yorkers may remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, at least New York City, right? Was that ever did that yeah. ever get to a statewide proposal? I'm sure. Uh, no, there. no, I don't. I don't believe it ever reached statewide proposal. I mean, I'm just glad that it didn't it didn't happen, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, and and you know as well as anybody, just just because something happens in New York does New York City doesn't mean it's not going to ripple out from there. So, yeah, and well, you know, one of the patterns that we've watched uh, over the years, and I know we're bringing this back to a, a, an America centric centric conversation, but it's it's still relevant because it's again, it's it's an American billionaire meddling in 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 other countries' affairs. Um, but yeah, there is a pattern. You will see policies like what we've seen in tobacco and nicotine originate on one of the coasts, California or, or New York. Uh, and then it does. It, it ripples across the country. Yeah. Um, usually, you know, the targets are chosen based on population size. The effort is to get, um, you know, as many people living under a certain policy uh, within a certain amount of time. And then you can just scale that up and say, now we need a federal law. I don't and know. Course, would you call that a boiling frog? I don't know as though that's a, a boiling frog per se, but um, it's kind of it along is. the same lines. I, I mean, it's 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 the nature of the system. So, uh, yeah. you know, policy moves, policy and change moves slowly. Um, folks want to be very deliberate about it. Uh, folks, uh, there are also sort of, you know, hangups of, of old that that people need to work through in order to change their minds or compromise um, so just, you know, by, by virtue of a bunch of humans running the process, yeah, it takes, it takes a lot of time, uh, and, and boiling the frog is one of those unfortunate side effects. Um, you know, this is again, something that, you know, the reason why organizations like CASA, uh, were formed was to, uh, you know, push back against all of the things that we are seeing now, uh, you know, the hope was that we would get enough people involved and, and make enough noise that we get the experts coming in and the experts are, are in a really good position to represent, uh, you know, at least the scientific and policy issues that, that we're seeing um, and, uh, and, and, and making it more, more credible. But, you know, timing is it is what it is. And, and so now we're at that stage where we're, we're, we're coming up on fully cooked. Um, you yeah. know, the regulations came in slow, kind of this is this is the, the boiling the frog metaphor. Uh, if you if you turn up the heat slowly, the frog won't jump out of the water. Uh, right. So, right. you know, this this started at the at the municipal level and then moved up to the state level at the same time when the FDA made their first attempt at banning the products. Um, you know, and it has just sort of snowballed since then. And now we're facing. Uh, we're facing what we're facing, the, the shipping ban, PMTA restrictions, uh, and seeing products going off the regulated market and into more underground environments. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, whenever I think of the boiling frog, I always think of decades ago, you know, anti, anti-tobacco groups 
pushed for. You know, we just we just don't want smoking on flights. That's all we're asking for. You know, most people, okay, that's that's a reasonable request. Um, even though it kind of went against uh, a lot of the science regarding ventilation on planes and things like that. But it was just like, we just, that's all. We just don't want smoking on planes. People went, okay. And that's where it started. Okay, now we just we just don't want smoking in restaurants. Okay. Okay, now we just don't want smoking in any public place. Okay. Oh, now we don't want smoking on any municipal. That's the boiling frog. You know, as you kind of go along, uh, it progressively gets more and more and more and more extreme. While every step of the way may seem minuscule to some, it's all part of that broader cooking of the frog uh, effect until you get to the end where the frog is fully cooked. Yep. Yeah. So for anybody out there who maybe didn't didn't quite understand the boiling frog analogy, that's that's how I always explain it. Is just kind of that. That's how it goes. Uh, that's how it goes along. But um, but yeah, fantastic stuff. Happy to hear. Uh, happy to hear, Mr. Alex Clark in that as well. He did a fantastic job. And uh, and again, big sh- big thank you to Jeffrey and and just Inco for for doing all that they do. Fantastic stuff. Tyler's got a question uh, from the YouTube chat. He says, another question. My senators have already come out in favor of flavor slash shipping slash all out vaping bans. What can I do or the rest of us, for that matter, do to change that? Is it worth emailing them? I'm going to preface that with uh, it is always a good time, always a good time to reach out to your lawmakers and, and, you know, voice your concerns. Um, but I'll let uh, I'll let Alex, I guess, kind of take it from there. The advice is, is really familiar, familiarize yourself with your state's website. There is usually a tool to find your lawmaker on there. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, it does matter. It does help for people to regularly contact your lawmakers. You know, we on our blog here, we're, we're posting research, we're posting articles um, and especially when it comes to research, it's something that, you know, if you can just provide a little bit of context for why you're sharing that article with your your lawmaker, uh, that'll help them understand it and understand, you know, why it's relevant to this issue. Um, lawmakers sort of, you know, claim that they want to hear and want to consider all of the science. Um, in practice, it's, it's really, they're kind of getting briefings about this um, from staff and, and from activists, unfortunately. Um, who are not uh, giving them the full context. Um, and, you know, I think it, if, if there was any other, if there's any significant reason why people should contact their lawmakers, no matter what you know or think their position might be, uh, it's that just like our one of our criticisms of the, the USPS shipping ban, and one of the criticisms that uh, USPS sort of leveled at Congress is that they they don't understand the products. They don't understand the products. They don't understand the people that use the products and they don't understand the people that make the products. Uh, and that's, that's a tremendous amount. Think of all of the, you know, 50 States, you've got a hundred or more uh, lawmakers, several hundred lawmakers, depending on the state, there's thousands, tens of thousands of people across this country who are deciding the direction of policy and they don't understand the products that they're regulating. Uh, and so having that conversation, even if it's just one way via email, is important. And the more messages that they get, the better. Uh, lawmakers really do need to realize and see people behind, uh, you know, people behind the products that they just have not been given the opportunity to see. 
they've been met with a lot of confirmation bias and, and sort of stoking of fears and anxiety about youth use. Uh, and it, and it, it's, it's not uh, providing anyone with an accurate or, or even, you know, a broad picture of what's going on. So yes, write to your officials and let them know how these products uh, have affected you. Um, hopefully good <laughs> more often than not, we yeah. know it's been for the better. <laughs> so share that. I just don't want to tell you what to write. Um, but uh, yeah, it's very important for lawmakers to hear. Definitely write them an email and, you know, give them a call too. Uh, it's, you usually talk to someone on their staff. Um, staff are, are, they, they should be uh, eager to listen to constituents' concerns. They're usually very polite. Um, most, a lot of them are young. So, you know, uh, they're, they're interested. They've got some ambition. Uh, they, they want to do a good job and they are, it is, it is their job. They're there to listen to you. Um, so, you know, take out five, 15 minutes, uh, and, and give your lawmakers a call. I guess that's a good lead in though. All of that is a good lead in, uh, to, we were talking a lot about Bloomberg, uh, you know, um, Sorry, I'll formulate my thought just a little bit better here. Um, speaking about Bloomberg and philanthropic colonialism, uh, there was a recent post from Dr. Brad Rodu. I think I said that correctly, Rodu. I used to say it wrong all the time. I used to say Rodu. I think it's Rodu. Um, correct me if I'm wrong there. But uh, Alex has it pulled up on the screen well, I will just briefly say, um, yes, this is a good post. Um, for those who have not read Brad Radu, he's been in the tobacco harm reduction game for, I think, two or three decades at this point. Um, the uh, Actually, the book here down below for smokers only, that that is, I think, one of the earliest efforts in the United States to get people to transition to a smoke-free product. And this came out in the 90s, I think. It has since been updated, um, but this was, yeah, it's got the bonus chapter on e-cigarettes but this was this was targeted towards um people predominantly in the south uh who use who, who may be more willing to use chewing tobacco or uh dip or, or some other moist or some other smokeless tobacco product uh, as an alternative to smoking um so definitely check that out um but the one of the things that uh he's he's sort of railing against here is that uh i i, I don't want to go to so far back in the past, but just to bring everybody up to speed, um, this is all about ICOS and uh, Altria uh, is is licensed to market ICOS in the United States, the Philip Morris product, and they do business through Altria here in the United States. Um, and so uh, this is Altria. Altria reached out to the FDA and uh, I believe asked for some assistance in getting the word out about uh, the modified risk approval uh, for ICOS. Uh, it's actually modified exposure, uh, which is very close. Um, and uh, this, this effort needs to be undertaken as part of uh, some of the observations that FDA themselves have made with regard to public perception of the risks associated with nicotine. Um, and, and this is a huge issue, uh, not just for vaping, of course, uh, for clinicians who doctors who are who want to uh, help their patients quit smoking, they want to be able to say use this nicotine replacement product. Uh, but 
if doctors don't believe that nicotine is not as harmful as smoking, or if they believe that nicotine causes cancer or some other issues, uh, then they are not likely to offer those products to folks who might benefit from them. Uh, and so this is this is a this is a huge deal. I think it was only like something like forty percent of clinicians accurately believed that uh, nicotine by itself was not a major source of harm. Um, and so Altria asked the FDA for some help with that. And they are sort of met with this response from, uh, I guess, the usual suspects here, um, condemning the move, I, I think, uh, and and saying that, you know, FDA should not get involved with this. Um, and and this is, you know, this is this is the battle we're facing. It's it is this, you know, this sense of self-righteousness that uh, these people believe that they are, are, are justified in keeping, inf keeping valuable information from people, all sort of, you know, consistent with their mission to conflate the risks of, you know, the spectrum of tobacco products uh, and, and, and really, you know, the, the sort of uh, long-term goal of uh, eradicating nicotine use in, in society, which is really not getting rid of it. It's uh, getting tobacco prevalence, tobacco use prevalence below 5%. Um, so yeah, I am not, my summary is not doing this justice, but uh, I, this is a, a good short piece from Brad Radu um, to kind of dive a little bit more into what's going on with that. So I did just want to mention that quickly. I'm sorry if I took up too much time. Touting is not required. Still, Bloomberg irresponsibly and inaccurately paints it as a gateway to hard drugs. Uh, this is the only part of the article that I wasn't uh, the biggest fan of just the idea of hard or soft drugs um, in and of itself is 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 kind of a fallacy as well. But um, I really I, I really just like the way that he, you know, even points out the use of their language in certain things to, to show how kind of deep set the way that we that we're talking about this issue. Little words like tout, you know, just to throw in there just to. I well, I really, I really appreciate the way that he 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 wrote this and and really kind of tore it apart bit by bit, even down to even down to little stuff like that. Yeah, and you know, Bloomberg is a bit of a drug warrior, uh, so yeah. uh, it, it it is not unlike them to uh, to to rely or or uh, invoke drug war tropes. Uh, he did that, I think, on the Sun the CBS Sunday or CBS Morning News uh, when he appeared with Matt Myers. Um, claiming oh, that uh, vape, vaping would reduce your IQ by something like up to five points. I think I think he, I th I want to say he said it was up to ten points. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's not uncommon for Bloomberg to pull out language like this, and and certainly appropriate to call him out for it. Yeah, I just wanted to I wanted to thank Dr. Radu for for taking the time to to make those little nuances out of there, you know, to, to take the time to point out the use of their language. Um, cause yeah, those are things that people kind of, I think a lot of people just kind of skim right past stuff like that, you know, and they don't really give it much thought uh, and he takes the time to point it out, which I appreciate. Yeah. Words, words matter. Words do matter. Language matters. Sorry that we went so long, but I, I want to make sure that we do get in this, uh, the study that we wanted to highlight. It is sort of at the end of our, uh, our blog post this week. Um, but uh, this is about vaping and schizophrenia. 
And um, again, one of those uh, uses potentially for for nicotine that no one has to describe or um, you know uh, promote boastfully, uh, it just is. So um, yeah, definitely read that uh, from a post. For, this is from the Cohere uh, group, cohere.org, um, and uh, it should. Uh, yeah, it, so this is a part of, of a larger discussion here about the utility of nicotine and how it can be used for therapeutic purposes. Uh, it, it, nicotine doesn't exist just to help you get off of cigarettes. Uh, right. We yes. know that there are uses. This is something I'm sure you can add this to one of those little here links uh, in, in Dr. Radu's post. Um, so we won't get into it too much, but uh, it, it, it is very important that research continues in this because uh, folks who are facing uh, mental health issues, mental health challenges, uh, smoke at disproportionately higher rates um, and a, a certainly specific to schizophrenia. I've heard this. I've never really had a conversation with a doctor about it, but um, it is my understanding that a lot of folks who have that diagnosis um, are, uh, they do turn to cigarettes as a way to manage some of the milder, uh, symptoms. It, I, I, you know, whatever it is, it, it does help them. And so being able to deliver nicotine in a way that is orders of magnitude safer, uh, is something yeah. that will, would be a tremendous benefit to, to people living with that diagnosis. Um, so, um, and just to highlight some of the, some of this really quick from this article, um, like you were saying, smoking prevalence among people with mental disorders is about two to four times higher than in the general population. People with schizophrenia spectrum disorders smoke more heavily uh, and are more dependent on tobacco cigarettes than those without mental illness. And as a result of high smoking rates, people with mental health conditions also have high rates of morbidity and mortality from smoking related diseases. So yeah, if, if people are uh, self-medicating, essentially with nicotine to alleviate some of those, some of those symptoms or, or however nicotine is helping uh, people. Uh, there are safer ways that absolutely there are safer ways that um, people with schizophrenia can, can consume nicotine as opposed to just smoking. I think now is where we're going to wrap this up, everybody. Thank you. I hope that you guys enjoyed our first uh Kasa live. Uh, thank you, Alex, uh, for always doing such a fantastic job. You are a wealth of knowledge, sir, and I greatly appreciate you. And I appreciate each and every one of you for showing up today and being part of this discussion here with us. All of these replays will be available later on. I saw a comment in chat uh, from Dave Berlin asking if this would be a podcast. Yes, the podcast will still be ongoing, uh, and that will be available on SoundCloud and most likely wherever you tune into your podcast, but we always recommend that you follow us on SoundCloud. I think that's going to do it. Any final thoughts, uh, Alex, for everybody out there? Uh, really, oh, quick reminder, again, vape mail ban. Uh, please submit your comments uh, by no later than Monday. Um, that is, you can't any later than Monday. That would be the end. So please, if you haven't submitted your comments, uh, please head over to kasa.org and go to that nifty call to action that Alex took the time to show all of us today. That's it. That's those are my final thoughts. Uh, just submit your comments. Well, I will conclude by saying thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the first of hopefully many live CASA updates. Um, make sure you smash that like button and click on the bell. 
get notifications when we go live. Yes. Uh, and uh, and please share it with your friends. Thank yeah. you, everyone, for showing up. Smash that like button. Literally punch your computer. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, guys. Don't punch your computer. Everybody take care. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Be excellent to each other. And remember that all of us together, we are Kassah. We will see you guys next time.